Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Y'all know that by now. Welcome back. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. We have a jam-packed show here for you. We've got the latest news notes from Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference. We've got DEFCON levels to update. We've got a lot of talk about the Steelers still having a lot of housekeeping to do. We're giving away that swag, and in the second half, Every Wednesday, it's always the same thing. Time for the mailbag. We'll get right to that. But let's start off with the swag giveaway. The Steel Curtain Network shop is a buzz right now. I know a lot of people are looking for holidays. You want to get that shirt. We have a couple new releases coming out. So maybe you want to get a shirt for a Steeler fan in your life. Maybe that Steeler fan is yourself. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But here's the giveaway. The giveaway this year, this year, this week. This week is Evan Henderson. Evan Henderson won the Victory Monday shirt giveaway. He can take, hey, you can get whatever you want in our store. You want to upgrade to a hoodie? You want to upgrade to a long sleeve t-shirt? Whatever, you pay the difference. Be on the lookout for a message from the Steel Curtain Network Twitter feed. That'll be from me, and uh, we'll get you squared away. But Evan, congratulations. You deserve it, man, because every Steeler fan deserves to win something like the Steelers did on Sunday over the Bengals. And on the heels of that, Mike Tomlin talked on Tuesday, as he always does at noon, about the game and about the upcoming game. And he talked about injuries. That's what we're going to start with here, injuries. Minka Fitzpatrick and Mon- Montrevious Adams have both missed significant amount of time. Minka Fitzpatrick with a hamstring injury, Montrevious Adams with an ankle. Now, last week, Montrevious Adams was able to play, or I'm sorry, practice in a limited fashion most of the week, but then he was ruled out. Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't even practiced He's never even been on the field yet. Well, Mike Tomlin said he's hoping and he thinks that they're going to be participants this week in some shape or form. I don't know if it'll happen this week or not. We'll see, but it would be great to see Minka at least getting back on the practice field, even if it's only in a limited basis. Other injuries of note, Calvin Austin III, he was dealing with an in-game ankle injury at the end of last game. Mike Tomlin said that I guess they thought it was worse than what it was, or his body's responding well and it's not as bad as they thought. Good news for Calvin Austin. He said he might be limited in the early portions of the week, but they're optimistic about where he'll be when the week ends. A new name, Kenny Pickett. He's dealing with some discomfort in his ankle. He said that he might be limited early in the week as well, but I don't think they see that as an injury that could potentially keep him out of the lineup. No George Pickens mentioned. Remember, Pickens left the game after laying out for that pass down the sideline. And Mike Tomlin said after the game that that was just him. His The wind got knocked out of him. So there you go. There's your injury update. Other than that, Mike Tomlin's press conference was pretty straightforward. He was asked a ton of questions about a ton of topics. He was asked about the offensive progression, how the new coordinators did, and he poo-pooed all of it. I, I really wasn't complaining of it. This isn't me complaining. I, I had complained about... Tomlin's demeanor in press conferences before not in this one this was a a classic Mike Tomlin work of art when it comes to talking around questions and that's just what he does he's a wordsmith but you know he he did talk down the offensive success saying that this is kind of what they wanted it's what they expected and they've only done it once so they got to do it again and so I started to think about this show thinking about which direction I want to go and th- there is a topic that I'm going to tackle at some point. It might not be till the season's over, but it's going to be a deep dive into 
what in the hell took the Steelers so long to fire Matt Canada? I, I just I, I wanted to give it the time that it that it required. I wanted to speak to some sources, and I, I don't have that right now, so I'm I'm not going to go into that just yet. That's down the road. I am going to talk about that at some point. But what I decided was that in the wake of this Deontay Johnson stuff that just won't go away, and Mike Tomlin was asked about Deontay Johnson, and we'll get to him here in this first segment, and he kind of said, like, hey, you, you all will get to talk to him yourself. He's not going to protect Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson did what he did, can't go back and take it away, and he's going to have to face the music. And that's kind of where Tomlin left it. But I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the rest of the team, and I came up with my my main thought. The crux of the podcast is, man, these Steelers still have a lot of housekeeping to do. They have a lot of housekeeping left to do. There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of hope. And, yes, even that dreaded P-word potential residing within this Steelers team, and not just on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side as well. And they have a lot to clean up. They still have a lot to clean up. They are in no way, shape, or form a finished product. No one, I don't think anyone suggests that they are, but there might be some people out there that think that they're further along than what they truly are. And I think it's important that we, as fans, note, like, what's going on here and that they still have some work? Where is that work that needs to be done? What, what, what needs to be cleaned up? Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I said this in the Winners and Losers, that podcast on Monday. Go back and check it out in case you missed it. The red zone offense needs work. It needs improvement. When the field gets short, that's when everything, those windows that quarterbacks have to throw to, really shrink. Now, Kenny Pickett showed a lot of potential, I guess you could say, a lot of progress, steps in the right direction. But those windows, when they get really, really small and you have to anticipate that's what makes the good. That's I guess that's what differentiates the good from the great. So Kenny Pickett's performance on Sunday was good. It wasn't great. What would have made it great? They score some points. You throw. You have over 400 yards of offense. That's fantastic. But you only score 16 points. A large reason for that is the red zone offense. It does need a lot of work. The next on offense is they, they have to remove the brain farts. They have to remove the brain farts. I've talked about the dead plays. Plays that are DOA, dead on arrival. There were so many, there was a ton less, fewer in the game on Sunday against the Bengals than when Matt Canada was calling the plays. But they still do exist. And a lot of times it's the pre-snap looks that the the defense is giving the offense. And then it's, it's something, and I can't, put my finger on. I've watched a lot of people talk about this. Our own KT Smith, Coach Smith, if you hit listen to him on the Here We Go show with Brian Davis on Tuesday morning, great show. Go back and listen to it if you missed it. He did a he's been doing a Steel Curtain Network, a call sheet breakdown, visual breakdown for our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube, just search Steel Curtain Network, you'll find us. And he did one on this past win. And there's still some times where, you know, he talks about how Kenny Pickett he still isn't seeing things the way that you would hope. It was a huge step in the right direction, like I said, but it's just not where it should be. And sometimes it comes down to those brain fart plays. I loved how the Steelers didn't get cute against Cincinnati, but they still had those plays, and there was like the check down to Jalen Warren where it just, again, brain fart play, dead on arrival, not going to work. They have to eliminate those. And then lastly, I want them to do one of two things. Take what the defense is giving you. So if the defense is showing something and it's going to give everything underneath open, 
You know, they're playing that almost prevent style defense, and you take what they're giving you. You limit when you take your shots based on what the defense is doing. But at the same time, I want to see the Steelers spread the ball around. When I think back to when the Steelers were their most dynamic, even when you go back to Ben Roethlisberger, I still don't think it was when Antonio Brown was getting 17 targets in a game. I think it was when they were able to move it. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster was getting his. Martavis Bryant, when he was around, was getting his. Antonio Brown obviously was going to get his catches and targets. You could even talk about when Sammy Coates was there, Marcus Wheaton, all these players. When And then you talk about tight ends with Heath Miller and, and, and other pass catchers. When the ball was being spread around and it was there wasn't a focal point, that was when they were their best. And I hope that with this offense, they don't have Antonio Brown. They don't have that one player who's going out there and he's just demanding that attention from the defense. And right now it's George Pickens. George Pickens is getting that wide receiver one treatment from opposing defenses. But they don't have that one dynamic force. So I would love for them to be able to utilize an Allen Robinson, a Connor Hayward. You're talking about spreading the love between Pickens and Johnson. I don't think that they're necessarily focused solely on one player. I don't think it's a, well, we got to make sure so-and-so is happy. I really don't think that's it. I just want to see them spread the ball around. Spread the ball around, and whatever the defense is dictating that you do, take advantage. I'd love to see that. Now, on defense, it's not. there's not as much. People, I'll tell you what, there's some people that are really down on the defense for a lot of reasons, and I don't buy into those reasons. This defense is keeping people off the scoreboard. That's what ultimately matters. Yes, when they talk about total defense, it's about yards allowed. For some unknown reason, it is not based on points. Defense's job is to keep the opposition off of the scoreboard. And right now, the Steelers are fifth in the NFL with that job at hand. Fifth. That's important here. I do. I am still concerned about the secondary. You know, you watch some of these breakdowns, you see it on Twitter, whether it's my buddy Chris Carter or some others that are very knowledgeable, way more knowledgeable than I am. And they're showing these, these plays from the Bengals game. And I hate to say it, but it's, it's number 29. He shows up a bunch. That's Levi Wallace, in case you didn't know his jersey number. And you see these plays that if it wasn't Jake Browning, a quarterback, if it was Joe Burrow, it, it would have been a touchdown or would have been a huge gain. The Steelers got away with some stuff. Joey Porter Jr. is legit, and Patrick Peterson is starting to play the way we thought he was going to play when they signed him as a free agent this past offseason. Seems like he's starting to kind of figure things out in this scheme, in this system. But, man, there's some depth concerns in this secondary. And, yeah, Trenton Thompson's done well, but you got to get Minka back. And maybe that will be the magic elixir for this secondary. Getting your all-pro safety back, getting him back on the back end, keeping everyone lined up and organized, we'll see. But I still have issues about the weak link in the secondary. I am also concerned about the inside linebacker depth. Yeah, they they sign Gonzalez, I believe is his name, the Pokemon King 2.0. Everyone wanted Shaq Leonard, who's a free agent, who's meeting with the Cowboys and the Eagles, who by the time you're listening to this, might have already signed with one of those two NFC East teams. Steelers didn't show much interest. It's interesting. I'm not against Michael Walker. Landon Roberts has proven his worth time and time again. But if there's another injury to, let's say, an Landon Roberts, I just knocked on wood for those that are superstitious. Boy, that inside linebacker depth is sketchy as all get out. 
And that's a concern. And that's a concern. And when I say that, you know, you talk about what do they have to clean up? Like I talked about the offense has to clean up their red zone offense on defense. Like what do you do with the inside linebacker depth that do you have to go out and get someone they did, but we'll see what they do in terms of managing the roster. Lastly, as I'd love to see some even production, just like I talked about spreading the ball out on offense. I'd love to see one player in particular really start to step up and have some big games He's shown it before. He's definitely capable. That's Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith in terms of production this year. PFF loves Alex Highsmith. They get talk about him all the time with the pressures, and he's leading the AFC or the NFL and quarterback pressures. Yeah, that's great. He's But when are you going to get home? Pressuring the quarterback is important, but sacking the quarterback is better. And TJ Watt is sacking the quarterback. I think he has 13 sacks, something like that already. Hell, they have, what, six games left? So it's incredible where he is at this stage. It's incredible how T.J. Watt gets these sacks when the defense, the the offense is putting so much attention into stopping him. Alex Highsmith has favorable matchups. I want to see him start to kind of pick up his production. And if that means that T.J. Watt's production dips a little bit, who cares? That's going to make the Steelers' defense that much better. So I'd love to see that even production, especially from the other outside linebacker, and that's Alex Highsmith. The last category here, I just did some others. You know, stuff that doesn't necessarily fall under the offense or the defense, but stuff that definitely needs cleaned up. Okay, can we talk, let's talk about the antics and the behavior. We saw this ad nauseum in the first half of of the season and leading up to Matt Canada's dismissal. You saw Najee Harris and Mike Tomlin having visible disagreements on the sideline as Najee Harris was coming off the field. Deontay Johnson throwing temper tantrums. His arms go up in the air. Pat Fryermuth, same. Their body language just screamed, I'm not happy. And you had all these things happening. And then Deontay Johnson most recently with his drop touchdown. I talked about that on Monday. You can say, well, that should have been a touchdown. Should have, could have, would. If he doesn't drop the ball, then there's no debate about it. It's a touchdown. But instead, he's pouting and sulking, and he stares at the ball, or maybe he doesn't see it somehow, some way. What is Were his eyes closed? I don't know. Really bad look. That stuff's got to go. That stuff has got to go. George Pickens, he's fallen into that trap as well this year. It's got to go. Team first approach is the next thing that they need. It's got to be... That team-first approach. Something that I noticed. This happened in Cincinnati. I saw someone pointed out on Twitter, but I noticed it in-game as well. Kenny Pickett delivered a pass. I believe it was a completion to Pat Fryermuth. It might have been in the waning moments of the first half. And he t- he got popped. He took a shot. I want to say that was a play where it looked like the dude took the crown of his helmet right into Kenny Pickett's upper chest. And I watched that. I was like, damn, that looked like it hurt. Now, what we had seen and what I had seen myself is that it, earlier this year when Kenny Pickett was on the ground, maybe an offensive lineman would come back and help him up. I remember when Ben Roethlisberger and that offensive lineman, Ben got hit. You better believe there were five hands, like they were helping him up right away. Pouncey, Villanueva, Foster, DeCastro, you know the names, Gilbert. Then what, Broderick Jones, when he came into the lineup, that's when some things started to change. Broderick Jones was the guy that, oh my gosh, my quarterback got hit. I got to go help him up right now. 
And I noticed that even Najee Harris and Calvin Austin III, they were the ones, when Kenny Pickett got hit, they were the ones rushing over there and helping him up. That's what I want to see, a team-first approach. If everyone says that Matt Canada was the cancer, he was the cancer that just wreaked havoc amongst the entire offense. Well, that cancer has now been removed. So now it's time to go out there and you got to put things together. Lastly, the penalties. The penalties. Goodness gracious, the penalties. Especially on special teams. You know, you get these field position moments. Mike Tomlin spoke about this a lot on Tuesday during his press conference. Where you get a punt return. Calvin Austin catches the ball, 30-yard Catches at the 30-yard line, runs it up to about the 40-yard line. You're like, okay, we have really good field position. We are 10 yards away from midfield. Flag on the play, holding probably on Mark Robinson, number 93. And now you're way back at closer to the 20-yard line. So instead of being a 20-yard swing because it's a 10-yard spot foul, it's horrible. That's got to be cleaned up. So while last Sunday's game was a huge step in the right direction, This team still has a ton of work to do. And I got to be honest, the schedule is favorable for them to figure it out on the fly. You got the Cardinals coming in this Sunday. Then you have a Thursday nighter against the Patriots. You win both of those games. You use that mini buy to get right, and you get ready for a stretch, which is going to have a lot of tough games, mainly at the very tail end, a trip to Seattle, trip to Baltimore. We shall see. All right, I know I went a little long, but we got to update the DEFCON levels quickly. Here we go. Week 13 DEFCON levels, quarterback, <laughs> it was a one, sorry, I'm laughing. It was a one last week. It was all, all, all hell's breaking loose. It's going up to a two. I thought about moving it to a three, but no, it's got to happen more than once. It's up to a two, but at least we're, we're out of that all hell's breaking loose category. Wide receivers and tight ends stay at a three. So do running backs, but they stay at a four. Really liked what I saw from Najee Harris. Uh, The offensive line stays at a three. I didn't think they had the best pass protection game. And even their run blocking wasn't awesome, but they still rushed for over 150 yards, so they did their job. That's why they stay at a three. Defensively, the defensive backs stay at a three. Inside linebackers stay at a three, and outside linebackers stay at a four. Not a lot of movement there. But on the defensive line, with Keanu Benton continuing to wreak havoc, I've got them going up one to a four. So that's good to see on the defensive front. Special team stays at a three. And don't forget, our fan DEFCON level last week was at a two. They fired Matt Canada. They got 400 yards of offense. They win a road divisional game. Fans are feeling good. They they go up one to three. There you have the DEFCON levels. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after a word from our sponsors, it's time to dive into the mailbag. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half. It's mailbag time. In case you don't know how this works, all you have to do on Tuesday morning, look for my Twitter feed at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put out the question. You provide the, I put out the, hey, give me the questions. You give me the questions. I'll answer them live. Let's get this started with believers. He said, I take this week's win with a bit of a grain of salt. The opponent was vastly inferior and riddled with injuries. That being said, do you think the biggest takeaway is that arrows are now pointing up 
and that there is finally hope that we will use the talent we have correct we have got we have gotten. Kenny looked composed and comfortable and was accurate because of that. He had clean pockets and could view the field. Looked like preseason Kenny. So the inferior opponent thing. Okay, so the Bengals, the defense was, I mean, they they were missing a cornerback. And I know that's important, but they were they're missing a cornerback. You know, Hendrickson was there, uh, Pratt was there. They they had a lot of their players on defense there. Okay, now they let two of their safeties go, but that's not the Steelers' fault. Yeah, they're missing Joe Burrow, and that's a huge piece. And T. Higgins didn't play. I don't think the Bengals are as bad as everyone thinks. The Steelers did what they had to do, but I agree with you. There were definitely there's definitely arrows pointing in the right direction. I think you believers, because I, I communicate with you on Twitter a lot, and I are in the same boat. When it's okay, that was a great performance. Let's see you do it again. That's what I want to see. Let's go to Mark Bergen. Mark Bergen, yeah, I've been on his show. He's been on my show before. He's host of the Believe in Steelers podcast with Mike Taylor. He said, what would Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan need to accomplish to retain their positions, offensive coordinator and play caller, for the 2024 season? Is it a certainty the Steelers hire a new OC for the 2024 year? I don't know what would have to happen. I, I would think that the Steelers would have to say, essentially, that... What we're going to do is, you know, uh, let me let me rephrase this. I think what would have to happen is that the Steelers' offense would have to start having such tremendous output that they would have real no choice but to say, like, we should give these guys a chance to continue this job. I'm talking about the last six games, they're averaging almost 30 points. Like, they're well over 20. Putting up 300 yards is not some monumental feat like it was for so long. And even then, I could see the Steelers saying, is this really what we want? Or do we want a fresh mind, a fresh set of eyes, a new playbook? Because that's something we also have to remember, is that the playbook is still Matt Canada's. Even Eddie Faulkner or Mike Sullivan might not have a lot of these plays at their disposal. It's a tough question. We'll see how it plays out. Let's go to Nathan Van Slyke. He said, hey, Jeff, I just saw Heinz Ward is yet again a semifinalist for making it to the Hall of Fame. Do you think he finally gets in this time? Or does the NFL finally find another silly reason for keeping this beast of a receiver out. What you're starting to see is this is kind of reminiscent of when John Stallworth was trying to get in. Um, You saw a lot of other people. When Tony Dungy got in, he had Mel Blunt. um, I'm sorry, not Mel Blunt. He had Donnie Schell uh, come up and, and give his presentation. When Alan Fanica got in to the Hall of Fame, it was Heinz Ward that presented him. You heard Mike Tomlin on Tuesday talk about Heinz Ward and how he believes he should be in. A lot of times, this is kind of what has to happen. I think he deserves to be in. I've done a whole podcast about that, looked at the numbers. If someone like Andre Reed is in the Hall of Fame, Heinz Ward should be in the freaking Hall of Fame. That's just how I feel. I've always felt that way. Okay, let's go to uh, Heath Davis. El Jefe, our defense averages allowing 18.6 points per game. The offense averages scoring 16.5 points per game. If we can put things together in the red zone and not turn the ball over, what do you think our final record will be? I think 13-4 and four is a possibility. It's absolutely a possibility. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen. I will go with uh, I'll go with 11-6, and six. and I still think they make the playoffs, and I think that's still okay. Next from Heath, with the big 400-yard elephant out of our room, what do we need to do to fix our red zone issues? Well, first, in the red zone, you got to be able to run the ball. I think that's one thing in the NFL that, for some reason, people just they get in the red zone and they think, we have to throw it, we have to throw it, we have to throw it. 
Run the ball effectively in the red zone, and everything else will open up. You can run some play action in the red zone. You don't need those long developing plays. It's going to be more of an RPO from the shotgun. I'm not suggesting Kenny's under center and he's running uh, play action. But also, do some bootleg stuff. Use Kenny's athleticism. Mix it up. That's how you fix the red zone, in my opinion. All right, Brian Haynes, what do you think will happen with DJ? I don't think anything's going to happen with DJ. Maybe he sits him for a series. Not that that's going to even matter. Uh, I don't. That's just the way I feel. I don't think much is going to happen at all. I think we'll come back to Brian here in a little bit. Let's go to Doc M, Southside Doc. What's the ceiling of the offense going forward? The ceiling? The ceiling? If I'm saying the ceiling is the preseason offense is the ceiling. When you saw the throws that were being made in the game last Sunday, down the seam to Fryermuth, down the sideline to DJ, down the sideline to Pickens, those are the throws we saw in the preseason that had us thinking, holy cow, we've got ourselves an offense. That's the ceiling. Now, the question is, is can they do that more than once, which we shall see. Eric Askew, we are celebrating the best offensive performance in 85 years but only scored 16 points. Would you rather see that or an ugly offense that scored 30? Also, will Hines be robbed of the gold jacket again like Shooter McGavin? Well, Eric, I already talked about Hines. He deserves to be in. We'll touch on that if he gets to the next level. But I would also say that I'd rather see I'd rather see an offense that shows some signs of potential in life. That's what we saw on Sunday, and that's what was so rejuvenating for the fan base. But I'd still like them to score more points. Brian Katz or Bagels and Bong Rips says, do you predict the Steelers getting into the playoffs? And if so, how far? I do think they get into the playoffs. And I think that they are capable of being a wildcard team. I'm not, I'm not ruling out winning the division. But I think they're capable of going into a hostile environment and winning. I think they're a tough team. They're used to close games. They're a team that has a defense that is very stout. This all comes down to the offense. Can the offense make enough plays? That's what we need to see. When I answered the question earlier this uh, this season where it's like, is this sustainable? I said the only missing piece of the puzzle is the offense. If they can fix that, everything else will fall into place. We'll see if they can do it. Uh, another one from Bagels and Bong Rips. What would it take for you to grill an Impossible Burger? I, I'm not grilling that. That that's I don't even know what that is. It's not a burger. I when I was teaching, I asked my students, look up what is it? Like what what does it consist of? No one could answer it. They say vegetables. They would look up the ingredient list. Not a lot of vegetables. I'm not doing that. No thank you. Give me real meat. Okay, Houston Steeler Chris. What do you think about Trenton Thompson starting over Keanu Neal once Neal's off IR? at least heavily in the rotation. Thompson has been a great surprise. He creates splash, better in coverage, willing tackler. Also, he and Walker need new numbers. I do agree the number thing. If watching a safety wearing 17 and an inside linebacker wearing 38, that's just weird. That's really, really weird. Like That looks like Mike Wallace and Corey Davis out there. I think that was the fullback's name that wore 38 at one point. Yeah, I. it's, it's just very strange. It's very, very strange. But I, I agree with you about Trenton Thompson. Said this on the postgame show. If Keanu Neal comes back and it's not going to be like a linebacker role, then give me Trenton Thompson. He, he brings more versatility. Mike Smith, for the first time since the preseason, it felt like offense. The, this offense could put together a drive on any possession. Pickett looked more comfortable and confident. What does Kenny Pickett need to show in the final six games for you to be confident in him moving forward? He continues, personally, I need to see more drives end in points, better points per possession. It also would be nice to see him mix it up with the pressure escape moves. Can't spin to the left every time. Even the announcers picked up on it. Don't want to see him get hurt. 
And then he, so to answer that one before he goes to the next question, I think that Pickett, the points are important. The style of play is also important. You mentioned it, better pocket awareness, running when it's there, taking what the defense gives you and being accurate down the field, making those layups, understanding a, this overall scheme and how to, how to deal with the NFL game, the NFL defenses, and being able to put up points. So I agree with you there. Question two, do you think this performance silences the Najee critics, at least for now? I'll say this. Najee Harris had to have a little gut check. We'll put it that way. And he responded. He responded in a big way. I think that people saw the the value in having both Warren and Harris. That's what I hope. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be and. So keep that in mind. Nathan Bolig, he says, is the offense performance from Sunday more about better play calling, playing a really bad defense, Kenny playing better, or is it too small of a sample size after one game? I'm definitely encouraged. I'm definitely encouraged after they broke 400 yards. Well, if you're asking just about the one performance on Sunday, then it's not too small of a sample size. That is the sample size you've requested. It was it an inferior defense? Sure. Was Kenny playing better? Yes. Was there better play calling? Yes. Better game plan? Yes. Better scheme and personnel usage? Yes. It was all of it. Question now is, can they have another game added to the sample size where we say the same thing? Anton Char says, it's been years now that DJ has had issues with drops and diva behavior. I remember complaining about him during the COVID 11-0 start year. And every year since, he's never gotten better year after year. In your opinion, why did the Steelers keep investing in him, calling him the number one, giving him a contract extension, making such a big deal about his touchdown drought, and then finally getting one, et cetera? It seems like he's never been that guy. And the coaches, long before Canada, just were trying to say it enough to make it true. Of the string of second-round receivers over the years, it feels like James Washington was far and away better than either DJ or Claypool. Uh, let's see here. And DJ got an extension, and Claypool only left thanks to the con artist's ability to sell that trade to his own side as well as swindling the Bears. I don't know what I really want to ask, but I feel like Washington was a better option to develop, even if he didn't turn out great, rather than personalities of DJ and Claypool. I said this to someone the other day, and I don't even know who it was. I think Deontay Johnson was spoiled. And when he, when I say he was spoiled, he was spoiled by Ben Roethlisberger. So he comes in off the heels of Antonio Brown leaving. He's got a Hall of Fame quarterback who is going to throw him the ball a ridiculous amount. And he's going to throw it accurately 99% of the time. And so then that guy leaves. And when he's done, now all of a sudden everything else changes. And Deontay Johnson is almost as like someone took the, the plate away at the table. What, what am I? I'm used to eating here. What's going on? And so I think it's getting him acclimated to what this is going to look like. And he was frustrated. Kenny Pickett wasn't playing well. The offense wasn't flowing. It wasn't working. These players want the football. I'm never going to have an issue with that. But I agree that Deontay Johnson, he could be on his way out if he doesn't get his stuff together. Let's go to Ethan McNew. All right, with Matt Canada out the door. Can you see this team running the table to finish the season? They looked far more confident against the Bengals, and Kenny looked like himself, like what we saw of him in the preseason. This was arguably the most complete game we've seen yet from him. I agree with you that this was the most complete game, but running the table is going to be difficult. They, they still do have some tough opponents. The Seattle Seahawks are one of those tough opponents. The Baltimore Ravens are one of those tough opponents. I have a feeling that that Week 18 game is going to have 
significance. And let's not underscore going to Indianapolis and playing the Colts. Yes, Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. Yes, they have a winning record. Yes, they play tough. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Okay, so while you have games like Arizona and New England where they're going to be heavily favored, and even Cincinnati coming back to town is not going to be an easy game. Is George Pickens really him? Asked a couple questions. Obviously, our guys will be dealing with the bumps and bruises associated with the game, and I don't like to paint with a broad brush, but this dark horse team is going to win the Super Bowl, and it isn't going to be pretty. We do not care. I love the optimism. Next from him, as we go down the road to figuring out just what exactly Kenny Pickett's professional career is going to be, do you think it was a bigger whiff to pass on Lamar or Hurts when the team had the need and the opportunity to draft one? I would say it was Hurts. I would say it was Hurts because he was not taken in the first round. Lamar was, and I understand passing on that first-round pick. Next, from him, will we see more two running back sets or three tight end sets going forward? Will Washington become a reliable outlet for Kenny Pickett as well? Mike Tomlin was asked about his 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends. He said the reason we ran it, we had three tight ends available to us. He's talking about Pat Fryer, he's coming back and being healthy. So we'll see. I hope so. Those are some of the changes, I think, that made a big difference. RJ says, hey, pick six, Jeff. I hope that after this week we can quit the RB1, RB2 talk. It should be clear that having two healthy backs is a luxury. I don't care who starts. In the end, they both help the team win. Love that we were balanced and not predictable. I agree. I agree 100%. Let's go to Tom East. Jeff, with the use of the big number 88, can you see the situation with Pickens in the slot on a go route with both Muth and Washington crossing, giving the defense a different look? By the way, I visited my brother this Thanksgiving in Wheeling as well. Looking forward to the cards this week. So, yeah, uh, wow, you're in Wheeling. That's fantastic. I didn't know we had uh, any listeners from uh, the friendly city of Wheeling, West Virginia. But, yeah, I I think that the more that they can get – Darnell Washington acclimated to not just blocking, getting him out there as a pass catcher. It's only going to make the offense better. Absolutely going to make him better. Steeler fan 69. He asked several. Actually, put in several jokes. We'll put it that way. Uh, hello, Jeff. After three months into the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-4. and four. No matter how they got here, all Steeler fans would have taken this record back in July during camp. You are right. Most fans, I would say most, would have taken this, no doubt about it. He also says, what do you call it when you walk? What do you call it when you walk into a restroom 10 minutes before midnight and walk out of the restroom 10 minutes after midnight? Same, you know what, different day. Love it. And now back to more dad jokes. I think my wife is putting glue on my rifle collection. She denies it, but I'm sticking to my guns. Womp, womp, womp. Very good. Okay, Tender Cat has a couple. Hey, Jeff, in your own opinion, if the Steelers present an offense the rest of the season that looks decent, do you think they will keep things as they are with Faulkner and Sullivan? Would you be opposed to them doing so? I don't want to make that judgment until I see more. It's just one game. Next from Tendercat. Also, you said you teach kids. What do you teach? And what made you want to teach? Always been curious. So I don't teach anymore. Uh, I was a 16-year vet as a teacher. I taught 16 years at the middle school level. I taught physical education. Uh, Now the only kids that I teach are my own as Fans First Sports Network and Steel Curtain Network and all the stuff that we're doing here is now my full-time job. So there you go. A little bit of background on me. Is George Pickens really him? Uh, Asked a couple more. He said, is this rookie class as elite as they seem to be? Holy crap. I think Omar did crazy good work on this class. They all look like future stalwarts. And all pros, very good rookie class. When you think about, you know, Broderick Jones, 
Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Nick Herbig, Darnell Washington. Yeah, I think they hit it out of the ballpark. There's a lot to be done still. All right, let's go to uh, James. He asks a couple. In my opinion, there was a bit of a hold on Darnell Washington during Najee's touchdown run. Do you feel the refs made this a no-call to balance the no-call touchdown of DJ earlier on? I hate that I'm asking this, but the refs are incredibly questionable to say the least. So was it a makeup call? I don't know if I'd go that far. I didn't see that as a whole. I feel like that happens every play. And so if you're, that, that's something that not just me, Coach KT Smith has said this. You could call holding on every play. That would be one of those. Let's go another one from James. Considering the offense checked off a few proverbial boxes, what are a few more you think they can and will check off moving forward? Talked about that in the first half, mainly the red zone offense. Let's go to Chris Laverty. The offense looks more smooth, fluid, a nice pass-run balance feeding off each other. So with baby steps, do you see the points going up like yards did? Not by much, but if that Deontay touchdown counted, we'd be looking at 20-plus points, which seems reasonable with the schedule remaining. I think the 21-point plateau is where you look. That's the line of demarcation. Can you get over 21 points? If you can do that, you're going to win these games. The defense is going to do their job. You're going to win these games, but that's going to be the key. Get to 21, not 16, not 17, 21 or more. That's the goal. Easy pickings. Ask, hey, Jeff, what's going on with Deontay? He's always been a guy we can rally behind. What do you think is going on? Looks like Chase Claypool 2.0 effort-wise. It's hard to see with the needs on the offensive line and inside linebacker, but could he be moved this spring? Also, newcomer to golf, any advice? So first, I don't think Deontay Johnson is Chase Claypool 2.0. He's very talented. Could they move on from him? Depends on how the season finishes. We shall see. And newcomer to golf, any advice? Uh, get some help. And when I say get some help, you want to do that at the driving range, go to the driving range and get a decent set of clubs. You don't want to spend thousands of dollars and uh, help have someone that knows enough to be able to help you with your swing. And that's the best case. And also listen to my fairways and dreams podcast, which will definitely help you throughout the process. All right, let's go to uh, is George Pickens really him? Is this the weirdest year ever? Have you ever went from this team is trash to this team could make some noise, be something special so often in the course of one year before? No, this is definitely new. Definitely new. Okay, new golf club donation box. He said, thoughts on the story on the story that came out after the game that Canada did not allow assistance to give their input to the offensive game plan each week. I did not see that. Send me that. Send me that link. I want to read that. But then he said, any tips on chipping on the green? Always seem to hit it either two feet or 30 feet on an eight-foot chip. Uh, there's a lot of things with chipping, and I'm no short-game guru here, but I will say that the one thing I would tell you, if you have a short chip, treat it like a long putt. Don't decelerate. If anything, accelerate through the chip. So many times people will decelerate. They slow the club down through contact, and it just kind of results in this little this little floppy thing that doesn't even go anywhere. Or they blade it. So you don't want to do that either. So keep your club close to the ground, minimize the wrist action, long putt, you'll be you'll be fine. You'll see some success. All right, Tiago, he said, do we still need to sign an inside linebacker? I, I, I talked about that in the first half. It does scare me. I don't think they get sign anyone that's really out there. What Pickett has to do, what does Pickett have to do to give us a realistic hope for the near future? Keep trending in the right direction. Lastly, what would be your perfect name for next OC? No clue. I'm, I don't, I'm not even going to guess. 
Let's go to Corey. He said, hey, Jeff, thanks for helping me get through the atrocity that was the Canada era. I was wondering if you had any idea when Canada would be charged with terrorism for what he did to us. (laughs) I'm not going to go that far, so there you go. All right. Let's go Brian Haynes. He said, why was there such a change last week? Was Matt Canada really that incompetent, or did the offense turn on him to get him out? I'm not going to say there was a mutiny and there was a plan to be crappy and not play well. But some of the stuff that you hear about Matt Canada would give a reason why there wasn't input, why the players might have not been happy. We'll see. Tio, looking at the Radbirds' remaining schedule and comparing it to that of the Steelers, I can see a division title this season. It's been a while since we've had a home playoff game. The offense can and will keep improving. I agree with you. I think they are going to keep improving. All right, Nick said, I'm the smartest man alive. Carter Critiques, my buddy CC, my other favorite Steelers pod guy, speaks to Kenny being a grinder and a film nut. Shouldn't we expect him to be looking at the film and going to practice, correcting it, and then executing on Sundays? Yeah, I mean, he's trying. It's not like the dude's not trying. It's not like he's out there just saying, oh, well, you know, I've watched some film. You know, I I don't know. That's, that's, that's not it. That's not it at all. All right, we have a couple more, and then we're going to be done here for the show. Let's go to Philip. He asks, I'm never one to jump the gun too much. We're the fifth seed currently, but our boys need to continue to win out to push for a playoff appearance. That being said, looking at the current playoff picture, Jags, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, Colts, and Browns, what one team you would not want to play right now and one team that you think you would have a shot with a favorable matchup? Okay, so I don't want to play uh, the Dolphins. I don't want to play the Dolphins. That offense is the one that could turn it into a boat race. That's not how the Steelers are built. The one I would say is a favorable matchup, the Colts. Give me the Colts. He said, I know you don't really start to address the draft and by extension free agency till the offseason. However, do you feel there's a glaring hole anywhere on this team after 13 weeks of football that the front office must address in the draft, free agency, or both? I personally think the offensive line needs to continue to grow and add pieces, perhaps a center, tackle, also linebacker, defensive back wouldn't hurt. I'm with you on the center and tackle. I'm also with you on the inside linebacker, and they do need some corner help for sure. Lastly, Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, doesn't seem like a stealer anymore. Concentration issues, lack of hustle or drive, lack of motivation, and overall seems bored. He doesn't seem to embody our core values or even have the grit this team looks for. Although Pickens may have an attitude from time to time, he produces, and you know he cares about winning. I'm not so sure about Johnson anymore. If you were to look into the future, where do you see Johnson in 2024? If I'm guessing... I'm guessing it is going to be right back here in Pittsburgh. I don't think they deal him. I don't think anyone wants him. I think he's going to be right back there with the Steelers. All right, that does it for me. Thank you to everyone that put in questions for the mailbag segment. I do appreciate it. Make sure you're on the lookout on Friday. We go behind enemy lines. I'm lining up my guests right now for the Cardinals. We'll have the all bets are off segment. Good stuff as always. You know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday.